0: I would love to speak to you today about courage, how to find courage, how to speak with courage, and how you can have the courage to walk alongside people. We're going to be doing that by looking at someone in the Bible called Deborah. Deborah, we find, her in Judges. If you are like me, you might not know where Judges is, or I didn't. So it's in the start of the Bible. We're uh, We're in the seventh book. I wonder if you've ever watched a series on Netflix. I'm really into a series called White Collar at the moment. I don't know if anyone's watched it, come on. But if you start a series, in the second series, episode five, you might have an idea what's going on but you don't really see the full picture. And I'd love to help us as we look at this passage, just before we look at this passage, is to get a bit of context, almost give you a recap an intro to what's happening in Judges. So we're in the seventh book of the Bible, and God has done a lot with mankind. We've had creation. We've had a promise to a guy called Abraham that his descendants will inherit this incredible land of blessing, and they will be a sign to the world of who he is, almost like a canvas that he's painted on. But this group of people, his people, They walk and they get enslaved in Egypt. They get rescued by Moses, taken then into the wilderness where they receive the law and then for 40 years they're wandering. They're nomads. They have to rely on God's provision and God's presence. But when they arrive in this promised land, they get comfortable. They get complacent. They no longer rely on God but look to everything on the outside. And this is what we're going to see as we read this. That's the situation. That's our recap. Quite a long bit, so I'm going to, I'll read quickly through the first nine verses and then two other verses at the end. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Cana, who reigned in Hazor, Sisera, The command of his army was based in Harashaf Hayim. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, and this is our hero we're going to be looking at, a prophet, a wife of Lederhav, can't even know how to say that, was leading Israel at the time. She held course under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her for her disputes to be decided. She sent for Barak son of Abinom from Kadesh in Nephthali and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go. Take with you 10,000 men of Nethali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Caesarea the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the river Khashon. I give him into your hands. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly, I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. And then in the next little bit, we see that uh, Barak does exactly what Deborah says, and he gathers his people, and uh, he goes to, to face this army. And in verse 14, we read, Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? And in the next section, we read that Barak goes down the mountain. He's got his 10,000 men. And as Barak advances, the Lord goes ahead. The army is defeated, and this chief of this army, who's going to be the most fierce army going, legs it away and finds refuge in a tent. And there we meet, and we're going to read it in verse 21, someone called Jael. But Jael, Herber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer, and went quietly to him while he was fast asleep, exhausted. She drove a peg through his temple into the ground, and he died. The Lord then frees everyone. I'd like to thank Nikki for giving me this passage. Firstly, (laughs) it's pretty hard, read it full on. But it is God's word, and he does speak. And if you're worrying about focus at this point, with a tent peg and camping, (laughs) I promise you, None of that will happen. But I would love for you to picture a hero. You might have a hero. It might be a family member. It might be someone who wears a cape, flies around on TV. It could be a politician, although rather unlikely at the moment. <laughs> but for me, my hero is a guy called Johnny Wilkinson. I don't know if we've got any rugby fans in the house. Come on. But Johnny Wilkinson was a fly half of the England rugby team for a number of years. But there was one particular moment. I was 14. I was watching with some friends and family on TV. It was 2003 in November, the Rugby World Cup, and Englands were playing Australia. We were in extra time. Johnny had actually missed two kicks, but we were neck and neck. And with a few seconds to go. But in that moment, Johnny has courage. He knows who he is, but he has courage to kick and to take the win. He was in a battle. And today we're looking at Deborah. And I've been so inspired by Deborah. Because she has courage. Courage to speak up, but also courage to walk alongside. In those first few verses in Judges 4, we've seen that the Israelites have slipped into their old ways, they're ignoring God, they're following other things, it says they've done evil in the sight of the Lord. The people have have sort of panicked, they've looked to elsewhere, they've looked to culture, looked to anything but the creator of the universe, the person who delivered them from slavery, who's provided manna in the desert, they've suddenly now ignored. And they're worshipping something else. And that's seen as evil in the sight of a Lord. And that's when we make something else Lord when it's not him. As Nikki mentioned, um, I had one of the greatest privileges of being brought up in a Christian family. My dad uh, is a vicar still. Lots of my family work for churches. And I really knew early on who Jesus was the difference he can make to your life, but trusting in him, having an eternal hope. But 10 years ago, I started uh, studying medicine. And uh, while I was studying medicine, I think it sort of got to my head a bit. I thought my identity lay in the fact that I was a trainee doctor, the fact that I played a lot of rugby, a lot of volleyball. So when I would describe myself to friends, It would be that I'm a trainee doctor, that I play rugby in a volleyball. Nowhere near on that list was anything to do with my faith, to do with this Lord who I said I worshipped. It's rather ironic. um, I ended up dropping out of med school. I got a really bad uh, knee injury, so I couldn't play any more rugby. And I think the Lord had other plans. I think he wanted me to trust him and put him first. And if we're honest... Each of us have our own gods, our own things that we can chase after like the Israelites. But what's incredible, if you look at that first verse, it says, in the sight of the Lord. The Lord didn't turn away from his people. The Lord keeps looking and looking despite their worshipping other things, despite them going after anything else. He looks at them. And as a parent, he provided a way. And this way came through Deborah. Bear in mind, this is a patriarchal society. We're introduced to Deborah, who's described as a prophet, someone who hears from God and speaks God. She's a judge. She's meant to deliver the nation. She's a leader of the nation. In many respects, she has got it all going for her. But what I love about her is that she doesn't just stay in this position. She has the courage to pull other people forward. She has the courage to speak to her leader of her army. And she calls him forward this one day. And she says, Barak, I want you to go into battle. The Lord is telling you to go to battle. In verse 6, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go, take Deborah's heard from the Lord. She's dwelt in his presence that she knows what he wants to say. And she hasn't got a fear. She speaks with boldness. She speaks in truth. And she speaks courageously. And she speaks to Barak. And I can often feel like Barak. I don't know about you. What's Barak's response? He says, if, if you will go with me, I will go. I think we often go and be an if person. Someone tells us that God speaks. We might read something in the Bible. We might hear a talk, might have some incredible worship and the Lord's leading us into a line of holiness and we respond with an if. If this is put into place, I will do this. If I have the perfect job, I will be able to start tithing. If I find the right wife, I will leave this wrong relationship aside. If someone comes with me, I'll be willing to have a difficult conversation. And since living fully as a Christian, since working at the church, so many people ask me quite hard questions. Like, why did you give up a career to do this? What do you do on the rest of the week apart from Sunday? <laughs> or even that like, or say, "Who is Jesus? Is He the only way?" And sometimes we can respond with a bit of fear, a bit of anxious, a bit of unsureness. But what we see in Deborah is a courageous speaking woman who knows the Lord, knows the word of the Lord, and speaks it with authority, with power. And I know so many people here do that. In your workplaces, in your family, you are speaking up for what is right, what is true, what is pure, what is from the Lord, contending. And that can be a hard place and a lonely place at times. But I want to encourage you, if that's you, keep on speaking. Don't go quiet. Because... You're never alone when you know the Lord. When you have your hope, your trust in Him, you never walk alone. I'd like that. <laughs> Every day growing up, on the way to school, my father would say to my brother and I, don't travel alone. Every day, day after day, don't travel alone. Don't travel alone. And while that's good health and safety advice, I think what he was speaking to was something even more important. Don't travel alone. Don't not walk with the Lord. Who are you walking with? Who are you walking with? Who's your guide? Who's the one who shows you the way? Because for Barak, he should have known that the Lord was going ahead of him. Deborah's reminded him saying that the Lord's gone ahead. Will you trust? Will you go for this? When we put our trust in Jesus, we have the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the spirit of the living God living inside us. That is powerful. That means if you're going to work and you feel like you're the only Christian, you are not alone. You have God with you. If you're in your family and you're the only one who knows him, you are not alone. God is with you. The question is, do you trust him enough to let him lead? And are you courageously enough to speak what he speaks to you? For a prophet is someone who speaks what the Lord says. We see that in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we often see that God speaks to all of us, not just to the specific people. And he primarily does that in his word, in the Bible. That's why I love this church has the Bible in one year. It's an amazing way to get into know what God's word is more and to see how that affects our lives. But when you hear what God says to you, have courage. Don't be afraid. Speak up. But some of us might be quite good at speaking up at times. We might be less great at walking alongside people. We might like the challenge, but not necessarily to walk with them. But what Deborah shows is that she has the courage to walk alongside. With Barak's if, she responds with certainty. Deborah says, certainly I will go with you. And for each of us, discipling, walking with each other is so key. Discipling is journeying with one another, pushing each other on in the Lord, encouraging us to live for him, to work for him to see him move in this nation, in London. And Deborah walks alongside, but her courage, her speaking courage isn't just used once. She speaks twice. Verse 14, go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? It's amazing to think that tomorrow the Lord is ahead of us and the next day. So whatever you're facing, that the Lord is there already. But Barak doesn't get the glory. He doesn't get the honor. Deborah's told him that already, that he won't. Who gets it? It's a woman called Jael. Jael brings a tent peg to a sword fight. She uses what God has given her, the tools, to be able to deliver something in a rather gruesome way, I must admit, but she uses a tent peg. I wonder what God's placed in your hand to use for his glory. But are we willing to stand up, to speak courageously, to walk courageously with people if we won't get the glory, if we don't get the praise? I know for me, I struggle with that. Am I willing to do these things for someone else to get the credit? for someone else to get the applause, for someone else to be looked on with favor. Because all our favor is in the Lord. It's not us who do anything. We are heroes because of what Christ has done on the cross for us. When we put our trust in him, we become children of the living God. You cannot beat that. And with JL, while she delivers delivers that brutal blow... It is the Lord who has won the battle. In verse 7, it says, on behalf of God, I will draw. Then it says, I will give. Verse 14, the Lord has given. Verse 15, and the Lord routed. The Lord is the one who is victorious. The Lord is the one who had the plan to save Israel. And the Lord has got a far greater plan than just for that one nation. Because in this story, we see God using an imperfect hero, a human, Deborah. But Deborah, and what happens here, is a sign of a foretaste to what's to come, to Jesus. Where God didn't use an imperfect hero. He used himself. And the Apostle Paul talks about him emptying himself, coming down to this earth leaving behind the splendor, the glory he had to go into battle. To go into battle, even though he deserved nothing of what he got. The Lord was nailed to a cross on a tree to take our sin, our shame, and all that we have done. To take the punishment we deserve so that if we put our trust in him, we can have life. We can have freedom. We can be saved. And if we're honest, like the people of Israel doing evil in the sight of the Lord, worshiping created things rather than the Creator, the world in 2019 is a very similar place. We are worshiping in in different parts of the world, in our nation, things which aren't of the Lord. We're going after money, success, power, Rather than seeing God's moving in power, rather than seeing God's will be done, the poor being raised again, the people coming to know him, we need to stand up with courage to speak the truth, courage to walk alongside people, and the courage not to be ashamed. Because God loves you so much that he went to the cross for you that he died for you, that you might have a relationship with him. And that is what the Lord's offering today and all your days until the end. You need to have a time to respond to him. It is one of the greatest things you can do to put your trust in the Lord. He will pour himself into you. And in this nation, there's so much anxiety, so much fear, But what the Lord brings is peace. When you're anxious, pray, and he'll bring his peace. When you're fearful, know that the Lord is with you, that God is with you, he has the best for you, he wants to work with you. Will you work with him?